I had a conversation this week I want to tell you about. Um, the, uh, in the moment, it stirred a Christmas spirit in me. It was like this unexpected place. You know, you can talk to certain people and know you'll come away with a smile. But this was somebody I've not really met. I've seen his face, and uh, he lives in another state. Uh, but I was in touch with my actual uh, insurance agent, and I called him because I wanted to talk about coverages for auto and home and maybe make some adjustments because prices keep going up. So um, anyway, we had this little chat, and it was kind of a, a, a fun one. He's a, he's a nice guy. He calls me sir way too much, I tell him, because, you know, I'm just a cheapskate customer, so give me a break. But anyway, he was really nice about it, and we discovered um, – we discovered there was this really kind of clicking between the two of us, separated by maybe 1,200 miles. And then he mentioned a favorite Christmas tradition of his. He, he actually told me in, in, in sort of presenting that, he says, you know, I'm really excited. He doesn't know I'm a pastor. He doesn't know I'm a Jesus lover. He doesn't know that Christmas is a big deal in my heart. He just... Um, thought he would, maybe in, in a business world, his company might go, you brought up Christmas? I mean, that's like a word that can't be used everywhere today, right? But he, he said, you know, I'm really excited about Christmas. And then I said, well, why? What makes you excited about Christmas? And he quickly uh, told me about a favorite tradition of his to watch It's a Wonderful Life. How many, I'm curious, how many of you have that same tradition? You want my agent's number? You could, uh, <laughs> I'll drum up some business for him. But um, uh, I, I have to confess to you, it, it is Debbie's. And uh, this year, before all of this, uh, she said, let's watch it. And we did watch it. So I actually sounded like I knew what he was talking about, right, a little bit. Uh, but I actually just, truth be known, I need a little more action in my movies to keep my attention. Or I'm a dozer, if you know what I mean. So anyway, so... He described by quoting, I knew he wasn't reading anything. I have to read it because I, I don't pay that close attention. But um, he described by quoting a dialogue from memory. You probably will remember the dialogue in that movie. A senior angel says to Clarence, who is a guardian angel, uh, a man down on earth needs our help, came the declaration of the senior angel. Clarence asked, is he sick? And the senior angel replies, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. And I, I, we went on to have a good talk about that. And I thought, how, how strange, given what we know about Christmas and how we even sang about uh, this morning. Beautifully taken in joy of every long night. I mean, all cool things. Uh, joy to the world, unspeakable joy. It's not that we can't speak about it, it's that we can't come up with enough words. Why else would Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul is a man of words. He's a verb vulture, they used to call me. <laughs> He's that guy. He is a guy of words. And he says simply when talking about the generosity that God looks for in the heart of a giver, 
he says, let me point you to Jesus and let's just thanks be to God for he's too much to talk about. He's that good. Indescribable gift. So it seems that Christmas, despite Andy Williams' declaration, isn't necessarily, for some, the most wonderful time of the year. Um, to the contrary, and I know this from uh, time I spend during this season, not begrudgingly, but quite available to people who are, in fact, um, depressed and lonely. And in no small way, uh, a George Bailey type person. Can I just give it to you straight? Some have told me they can't sing songs like we just sang. Their great goal at Christmas time is just to get home. I, I know I don't I don't mean to make us go down. I mean to lift them up if you're one of them. So uh, if you or let's go further than that, if someone you live with or know, a friend, somebody you work with, wherever they might be, they are battling and you know it and you've known it for a while and you care about them but they are battling discouragement or worse this Christmas I hope you will take this message because it's a Holy Spirit message as they all are all right I've got nothing to offer anybody but I think God has some words for all of us that are meant to lift our hearts and I'm going to call it what I the way I see it I think it will be uh, true medicine for troubled hearts, okay? So some of you have all kinds of reasons why joy doesn't come easy. And I get that. I don't scoff at you a bit. But I think I think there's something here. Um, moments ago, the song we, we sang, it was an 18th century uh, Christmas song that I think states a secret. We sing songs beautifully and uh, habitually at Christmas time. Uh, we some of our um, most uh, requested songs are made during the Christmas season. Hey, can you be sure we sing? And we try to fold those songs in. But sometimes in singing them, we maybe don't quite get the. Pause enough to process the meaning of it. So, joy of a come now long expected Jesus is really kind of a, I'm going to call it a secret. It's, it's to me, uh, the only sustainable way for one to have joy during this season or any season in life. We'll have moments, but I want, I want to be able to do it. Don't you? I mean, that's kind of, otherwise, life's really, really hard. So I'm going to read those words again, and I think they, they are the source of sustainable joy, not just at Christmas, but any time. The same I'm saying right now has been said to me multitudes of times around Valentine's Day, 
Come thou longing expectant Jesus. Born to set thy people free. I'll give you a little hint of what might be holding that back. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest. Israel's strength and consolation. You can't you can't make this stuff up. That timely and poetic. Their strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. If your heart is longing and you're here today, and if you have a hungering, longing heart for Jesus, would you find joy uh, in short supply? Um, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say why. The biggest threat to my joy is the, the worsening world we live in. It just is. And, and, um, and so I want to dig deep for a minute and circle around a single word joy. The foxes already did a phenomenal job. They, they read from Luke 2. I want you to now look with your own eyes. It was beautifully done by Johnny. And I want us to see it for ourselves a little bit further. Luke chapter 2 is where my Bible is open. It's one of two narratives about the birth in the New Testament. Here in Luke and also in Matthew chapter 2. So you'll find them both there. But Luke chapter 2. We already covered, thanks to the foxes, the birth of Jesus. Verse 8, I want us to pick up right there. That very night, he's been born, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, there's the word, joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is, the, a, he is, he is a Savior. That's a big deal. He is Messiah, even bigger deal for Jewish hearts. He is the Lord. All that in one verse. And this will be a sign to you, verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, I mean, in, suddenly means you're taking something in and then something big happens. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, that one angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 10 is so loaded with meaning. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. That's those words are like the angel saying, 
hungry for joy? Anybody? X marks the spot. Your search is over. Your hunger is satisfied. This is good. This is really very timely, what I think is going on here. Does, does this mean that to have joy um, requires something that not everybody has? Let's take a couple of possibilities. An up personality. You know, there's some people that are super up. They get up happy. How many don't get up happy? You know? Okay, so so aren't you glad that's not a condition for joy? Right? So it's it's is it here's another possibility. If if you don't have an up temperament or if it's not about temperament at all, what about the possibility it is to use a word we use today? It's about denial. If you can just find a way to deny what's hard. A lot of different ways taken by people today. And you know that. Some of you use them. And, and it's distraction. It's, it, and, and sure enough, along the way, you find yourself saying, I, I guess I am feeling joy. And in reality, you're only in denial, as psychologists say, right? You know what I mean? It's not real joy. Because what I just dabbled in or took or whatever is going to wear off. It's going to go away. And here I am again. Amen? So, um, turns out the song would say no. Uh, The song had it right. Jesus is the joy of There's a translation that uh, I stumbled across recently that has brought, um, I'm going to call it high def color, to a lot of the Bible. I'm not giving up on New International, some have asked, or New American, the translation that I grew up on and have memorized most of what I've known from. But this translation is really good. Listen to that simple statement in verse 10. Um, I've already read it a new one. Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is, get this, for everyone, everywhere. You feeling it? Huh? That's That applies to the guy in the corner in this room. That applies to somebody far removed from this Location, watching and taking this in. It's good news. It is the most joyous news the world has ever known, and it's for you. Some of you aren't here because you don't think the likes of people like you belong here. I've heard it. You know, and I've tried to negotiate have you rethink it? I actually use sayings like um, people say, what, what's it take to belong, feel at home, grateful? My answer's an easy one. Just don't deny your brokenness. 
we don't like phonies. Not, not because we don't like phonies, that's not it. But because we know that that's not a good place to be. It's, it's actually fake, and it won't make you better. It's just come here and be broken. And, and every head will turn your way. And say, hey, another broken one. Right? We are not a hotel for saints. We are a hospital for sinners. Can I get an amen? That's what the deal is. And we all need joy. We're not, and then guess what? You're going to meet Jesus, and he's going to say, now let's clean up the mess that has come into your life. Some of it from your own doing. We're going we're gonna to take care of it. You don't have to do it. I'll do it. you got to let me. Okay? So um, that, that statement, this incredible news, best news the world has ever heard, is actually for everyone, everyone, including you. Um, if you need more on that, please leave at greatpointfamily.com. And I'll get you somebody or myself to talk to you. All right. So if you had been on this night, looking back at Luke, if you had been an eyewitness reporting the details, reporting things that happened that night, you would have almost certainly recorded several standout features. And so the first we've already noted, the show in the sky. If you were just happened to be in town, You go outside, and oh, it would have been a show in the sky. Um, that fresh translation that I told you about, um, I, I know we'll get mail to it. It's the Passion TPT, the Passion Translation. It's kind of cool. Stay with uh, a more literal translation, and you'll be fine. This is just going to be a new cover. Okay, so listen to that that we've read already here. Suddenly an angel of the Lord, this is verse 9, appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. That's pretty cool. This angel didn't just come there and go, hey, you know, I'm trying to cover my face. I know it's going to make you a little nervous. It was pretty bright. No, he came blazing with the glory of God. Then at once, this is verse 13, at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is took, verse 9 tells us, how many angels are in verse 9? Anybody know? Yes? Verse 9. A one. One, right? An meaning an angel. So there is one angel and that's all it took to evoke fear in the hearts of those in the field that night. That's what verse 9 tells us. 
only a single reason. I say it that like it's just like, no. There's way, way more. There's way more than any of us. But all it took was one to rock the boat. In fact, it's very descriptive in verse 9, and it shouldn't be missed if you missed it the first time we were there. Uh, the impact was they were terrified. Uh, a word about terrified. It's bigger than afraid. You with me? I mean, we'd all agree on that, right? Terrified, I got to thinking, what happens when I'm terrified? I hide behind the other kids. <laughs> you go to the door. You know what I do? It's bad enough. I grab Debbie and I say, let's run for our lives. That's what I do. That's just what you do, right? We see wildlife. We've seen wildlife. We saw a bear up in Washington when we camped last summer. A bear. Um, I went snorkeling with uh, students on a missions trip from Grace Point down in Honduras. And me and a, a young lady, a teenage gal named Megan, we were snorkeling. She said, what do you, a whole bunch of us were out there in the water. And we're just like looking around. Well, what do you hope to see? And I said, I want to see a shark. I'm done with little fish. I don't care. You can buy those at Costco or whatever. But and she goes, ew, that's gross. I said, what do you mean? Like, like colorful fish from Costco is gross. But anyway, she says, back to Megan. She says, uh, really, uh, like, like how close? I said, up close and far. I want to see a shark. Everybody talks about sharks, how terrible they were. Guess what happened about a half hour later? I saw a shark. It's coming back to me. I saw a shark. My face is down in the water. Guess what I did? Guess what I didn't do? Hey, come here, buddy. I want to talk to you for a minute. Here, I'm coming down. It's getting deeper. It's deeper. This thing was maybe 50 feet down. And I went for the shore at about 32 miles an hour swimming. Why? Because I was absolutely certain I was going to die. And you know what? The guy on the shore, we tell him, everybody's reporting what they saw. What did you see? We're like, we saw a shark. And, and I swam my heart out. I never want to see a shark again, you know, kind of thing. And he's howling. He goes, you know what kind of shark that is? I said, no, of course I don't know. It's just going to eat me. That's what I know. So there's no clarity. He goes, oh, no, no. That he was more afraid of you <laughs> than you were. So here's the deal. I don't know if all or some of what I just described in kind of a fanciful way about a shark was true, but it's sure true of the word terrified. And the Bible could have used other words, but it didn't. And they were terrified. Which explains the breaking news headline in verse 10. Don't, says the angels, be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause this eruption of great joy. Not just for you, but for all people. Hmm. 
what means Christian? that moment and at that moment that's why verse 13 I read to you earlier suddenly at that moment almost as though I tried to picture where were these vast numbers of angels prior to of God approaching him and I, I get this image to me that they had waited long enough and couldn't be contained any longer it's like uh, a lot of analogies, but they're about to burst out of the locker room and take the field in a sporting event, the Super Bowl. This is so big, and they're, they're, they're behaving well, if you will. They're holding it back, but they couldn't be restrained any longer, and they they join the solo angel. Lucky God. Really, think about it. He's the big deal. And, 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 and they now join him in vast numbers as a, a group of glorious angels praising God and singing at the top of their lungs. Wow. And saying glory to God in the highest heavens. You know what I thought of I was thinking about um, the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, Vicki, can we bust that out right now and just get it right now? Probably not. Okay. But um, I don't know if you've ever been to what's called a Messiah Singer. So I went innocently. I didn't know what it was. It sounded cool. And um, basically, I, we show up at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles in the Midwest. And a bunch of people uh, are waiting in line to get into the place. And I noticed they're all carrying music. Uh, it's in a book. I mean, it's, it's not just a page. It's like a thick thing. And it turns out it's the whole Handel's Messiah, the whole music. And, of course, there's, there's, uh, you get inside, and, I mean, they're just kind of showing us where you, if you're an alto, you sit in the, 2,000 alto seats over here, and, and it's this massive music center in Los Angeles. And we just picked a place we thought, you know, I'm not sure what I am, so I'm just going to sit, and it'll be cool. And and every time a different alto and tenor and bass and all this, that person or their piece of the music appeared, they would stand up, literally hundreds of maybe thousands of that would get up and appear. Well, guess what happened when we got to the Hallelujah Chorus? Everybody stood. Oh, I got chills everywhere when I heard that. It was like
not a note in sight from heaven for me. Soulmate. This is him. That's kind of the picture, although it's pale picture in comparison to this. Um, His spectacle was, I think, mind-blowing and heart-melting. This was the gathering of animals sacrificed. They were within earshot and eyeshot of this spectacle. Which brings me to another point you would write a note about and be fine with. Turns out there weren't an animal out in the field. There were a lot of angels who just sat and watched vastness. like Jesus today, right now, when you die. We're all waiting for him. We know he's going to come back. Some are going to tell you exactly how many years. But but let's just say we even just did the math. He's coming back to break the seal. And suddenly he's our baby. some level, some of us are going to say, why wouldn't she come back? She's much more massive than that. It's a good question. I mean, you know, like the kind where everybody's watching, all eight billion in the world. His first coming was to a people. mustn't be overlooked that very few were Gentiles. Why shepherds? Let me tell you what I've researched and found out about them. They were simple. They were known to be common, ordinary people, often sadly described in pejorative words like inconsequential, insignificant. like the George Bailey in a Mr. Wonderful Life movie. If we're serious about the answer to the question that I'm asking about, why shepherds? Uh, We might discover something about those to whom God first words come from 1 Corinthians chapter 20. The people he still speaks to. These words tell us clearly. 1 
Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise when you were a child, or powerful, or wealthy, when God called you to be his own children. You might have a degree, and I don't, I don't stop at that. You don't need to. You'll close it said, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame the wise, those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame, yes, the powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers Why did he do that? Well, as a result of that, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Who says it's not about you? I love you guys with my heart for you. But you're not forsaken. You're not despised. You're not even taken back for a little bit in, in, in this idea that God could come to shepherds. I, I got to thinking about uh, a scene that most of you know, and I think I tell it quickly. It was a scene in, um, in Samuel where Israel's first king had been rejected. His name was Saul. And he'd re- been rejected because of, if we're not left guessing, he was, it was rebellion and disobedience. And God said, you didn't work out, and so I'm going to bless you. So he sent God taps Samuel, the prophet, the the prophet of Israel, and sends him to a man named Jesse who had a bunch of boys, probably daughters as well, but the kings are always scattered. And so God sends Samuel to Jesse and says, I'm here on a mission. I need to have a look at your sons. And he begins to vet them out. He's interviewing the sons, checking them out, getting virtually and then I don't know, getting their resume and you know what I mean, in a conversation. And he gets to the end of them. There's, there's seven of these offspring. And he, he doesn't get to the fifth. He's prompting his heart that he's found the right one. And he, he actually asks Jesse, the dad, is this all you got? <laughs> Imagine that moment. It's all you got, seven boys. And Jesse, not not forgetful, but was like, well, yeah, no, no, I got one more. (laughs) He's out in the field. Guess what? He's a shepherd. You seeing the connection? I just threw me over. Jesus Christ came to shepherds. And way back in the Old Testament, God in seeding, a successor king who, by the way, came to be known as a man after God's own heart. A shepherd. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be amazing. A youth. It's, it's huge stuff. Um, if you want a bi- single Bible verse that will turn this morning, Look at 1 Kings 
chapter 16. It's in the middle of all this, and it's verse 7. And God says to Samuel, who's scratching his head going, I haven't found the one. What's the deal? These guys look pretty handsome, pretty tall, pretty big, pretty strong. And he says these words, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks It's there. It's really good. And it's a real good reminder. You may not be as smart as you want to be, as tall as you want to be, as fast as you want to be, as funny as you want to be, as handsome as you want to be, or as pretty as you want to be, or on and on and on. And God says, hold up. We haven't talked about what matters most. Surprise event that night that came as an angelic announcement, the most joyous news of the whole world that the world has heard. Um, I'm going to ask the next natural question. What difference did it make in the end? Take my last shot. Came to the shepherd and said, you had a good choice. What difference did it make? Did it make? at verse 15 in answer to that. When the angels had left the shepherd, I don't know how that happened in that text. It could have been like, pow! I don't know, maybe the curtain closed on the scene. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found, sure enough, Mary and Joseph. They, they, they actually found them, and Jesus, the baby, was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, verse 17, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. The shepherds, what did they do next? Well, they returned to their sheep. It's their job. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I'm going to say it in a sentence. They couldn't and they wouldn't stop talking about the baby they saw. No change in that. They just kept talking about the Savior that they beheld and the God that they fell on their knees and worshipped. That's what happened. Uh, Of course, would guess this. The people scoffed at their reporting. 
about such things, right? That's not how I read verse 18. All who heard it were amazed. They were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I like to use modern words. They were blown away. shepherds are going to serve as a guide for us to find joy in our long and hard journey. Um, a couple of takeaways. They found Jesus and they went to Jesus. See the takeaway there? I'm going to ask you those questions. I don't mean to point it out. Have you found Jesus? That's a necessary search according to these words in Acts 17 that we've just come through. God set the time and place for each person so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Read Deuteronomy 30 today and read it with that lens. How close is he to us? How near is he? How accessible is he? If I go searching, like you're saying, Pastor Dan, have I sought him? And my answer is no, not really. But where is he? I don't. I haven't found him either. Bible. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Just check it out. You'll you'll be glad you did. Same thing as Acts 17. He's not far from any one of us. The shepherds searched for a sign. A second takeaway. The sign wasn't what a lot of people search for today. Verse 12 does not mention a secret entrance. Uh, They're to search for the Son of God. It's not, it's not um, to be found in the temple. Did you just hear a pastor say that? I'll go a step further. It's not to be found in some sacred writing. These are Jesus' words. He looked at the most religious people of his day, and he rebuked them because they looked in this book, the Torah. They looked in the Bible, thinking that in the Bible they would find this eternal life. His words, listen to this. This, These are from Jesus in John 5, verse 39 and 40. You study the scriptures diligently, and boy, did they. Some would say today in many languages, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, Jesus' words, you have eternal life. That's Jesus saying that here, not God. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. People, do you hear the difference between religion and those words? 
John 5, 39 to 40. You search for, and it's a good search. I'm in this Bible every day, but I'm not looking for some secret. I'm being refreshed daily in the Savior I have found, Jesus Christ. So am I just helping some of you take the next step? I hope I am. Because if you think it's got to be in, in, in a, it's got to be in, Practicing my religion. It makes me sick when I hear that. Because a lot of times people are saying that that's salvation. No, it is not salvation. It will come as a result of meeting the Savior who gives you salvation. That's the difference. And I hope you're enticed. John 5, verses 39 and 40, straight from Jesus' mouth. Uh, It's not some hidden search for Jesus and found him, my last question, has it changed? Has it changed? Can you tell? Yeah. Yeah. Because my goal in every service, every message, is to say, you're about to leave, and people are going to haven't heard you. done really good religious things and yet you do good deeds even you your bank account probably could show look how much I give and all that's great but if you don't have the savior you're building your life on sand and those things won't benefit you in the book, but look up, and the book points to me, because I am the one that's talking to you, the only one. And let's be like shepherds. In fact, here's a mission. Why don't you just say, Jesus, I want you to send me people that will never hear this live stream, that will never darken the doorway. Send me to them. 
that's my mission. And I want to tell them not about religion. I want to tell them about my relationship with you. Because you're the one I met. You're the one that saved me. And you're the one that I'm going to change everything about my life. And then you pray. You pray and ask God to give you boldness. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, for coming in a way that is so other than what we might expect inside our lives and I pray that man would leave this time together seeking you say those who seek you will find me though I'm not far from you let that change all kinds of conversations when we look about and we say the same thing as we sing now I want to invite you ask questions, give me a call, text me, be there for you, point you in the right direction. For now, let's sing together this song. Amen.